With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I left the city I've been browsed. Treading water that they drown. My head on a swivel. Yeah. It's only really my surroundings. Welcome to episode 29 of the Smash and Step podcast. I'm your host, Michael Royer. You can find me on Twitter at Dynasty underscore Dad FF. We have a fantastic guest on with us tonight. But before I introduce him, I want to introduce the staples of the podcast, my co-hosts. John, how's everything going with you this week? It's been good, Mike. we got playoff football now. Enjoying that. We're, we got rookie fever kicking in. And uh, we got some great guests. Been really looking forward to Mixed it up here with Izzy. So got a great show on wide receivers. I got my wide receiver rankings. Mikey, we're, we're all working on the rankings. Going to push those out for everybody here soon. So a lot of good stuff going on. Absolutely. You stole my thunder about introducing our guest here. But let's move over to our next co-host here. Mung, what's going on with you this week? Hey, what's going on? Uh, my Tom Brady jersey, I had to get exchanged an XL to an L. But uh, it'll be here before Sunday. So I'm pumped for the games this weekend. And uh, yeah, as always, I'm working on stuff over at Fantrax. I just came out with my Superflex Dynasty rankings. So you guys can find every position over there, even though we'll be talking wide receivers today. Yeah, and also coming in the mail this week for you is going to be your Smash Accept t-shirt. You guys should, if yeah, you baby. haven't done it already, you know, check it out. We got it on Twitter, $20, free shipping. You know, it's a fantastic shirt and you guys are going to love it. Uh, speaking of something you guys are going to love, our guest today. All right, we have... Izzy Alcafaz, the pharaoh of fantasy himself from the Dynasty Trade Calculator. Welcome to the show, Izzy. Hey, I appreciate it, boys. Thanks for having me. We're super excited you know, to have you on here. Why don't you tell us some things that you have going on? I know there's a lot of things in the offseason um, over at DTC. And, and tell people a little bit more about you know, if they've been hiding in a closet and don't know about Dynasty Trade Calculator, what you guys have going on. Yeah, yeah. We got some stuff in the works. Uh, nothing, nothing. I don't. I haven't asked the, uh, the other owners here if I can leak anything so you guys aren't gonna i don't know if i can share any like uh tmz type information for oh, you guys to, to hit yeah you know to send to the presses but um we do have a lot of stuff going on and i, I just i'll just leave it at that um some will be surprising some won't uh we got some something cool at the end of the month not necessarily a tool but it's definitely a neat feature i don't even say features not really a feature but a neat aspect to our to our uh, website coming, so uh, that should be cool. But yeah. nothing that I can think of from an actual like tangible tool perspective that I can share. What I absolutely love about you know your program and everything that you guys have over there at DTC is the calculator isn't just for you know it's great. When I first got started, someone's like, "Hey, check this out!" You get trade values, and and we're a trade podcast ourselves, and we really try to advocate people getting out there and and taking as much information in about trading. But it goes from from the novice all the way up to the experienced, and it really kind of gives you a nice gauge and a tool to use and and formulate 
trades when you're really starting to learn out how everything works. How did you guys come up with that? You know, you and Hurley, run me through like some of the early parts here. I mean, like John and I just started talking fantasy and we're like, hey, let's make a podcast. Let's have some fun with it. Is that kind of how it started with you guys? So uh, Hurley and I, um, early in my marriage, I got married in 2010. You know, we, we started Dynasty League about 14, 15 years ago. And we'd always argue about trades. I got married in 2010, and we'd always go to um, – every Friday night, we'd go to the hookah bar. Um, and we'd smoke, play play uh, spades, if you guys are familiar with spades, and uh, just talk Dynasty, just shoot the shit. And every time we'd get there, we'd be playing, and then in the middle of playing, we would obviously be four of us, we would start kind of arguing about Dynasty trades and values and so on and so forth. And we'd always just try to find rankings out there to like kind of prove or disprove our opinions on the subject, right? So if he says, you know, I think, you know, Mike Evans is greater than Deontay Johnson, it's like, well, yeah, it's your opinion, but what does consensus think? And we could never figure that out. And ADP for me has always been a flawed tool because it's only a snapshot, it's a moment of time, it's a moment in time, and it's only five or six sample sizes that go into ADP. It's a completely flawed system, but it's better than nothing. But in order to have ADP that I think is actually reasonable that we can rely on, you need to have ADP every single day and there need to be a hundred rolling, constantly rolling drafts happening to give you a true value. Well, that's impossible. So we just went out to do is said, okay, well, let's just, there's nothing in the dynasty market that has this like a calculator, something that we can, go to and compare and say, okay, well, this trade is bad. This trade is good, so on and so forth, or who won the trade. So we spent a couple of years just trying to figure out how we're going to design it, how we're going to set it up. And we said, all right, well, is there an appetite for it? So what we did was, oh, let's, what's the cheapest way? Well, let's just do GoDaddy. So we started like a GoDaddy account. Hurley busted out his Excel spreadsheet. We kind of got everything that we wanted to, to bake into this thing. And we started on GoDaddy uh, with an Excel spreadsheet type. And it took off. So I, all right, we got to doll this thing up. Let's spend some equity onto this. And we birthed what is now the DTC um, with, you know, all our glory, basically. So that's kind of how it started. And it, you've, we've made tweaks um, from when we first started to when we launched. We wanted to make sure that we, when we launched the product, we were ready to launch and monetize. And it was going to be the best product Um in the industry and we felt we were ready and we did it. Yeah. It, it's fantastic. I mean, and it, John and I joke around all the time. We tell dad jokes and sometimes Mung, he's the, he's the young guy in the group here. I'm not even sure if he's ever heard of GoDaddy. We, we age ourselves a little bit and we had Riley on a couple of weeks ago. And that's another guy where we start talking about those kind of things. And they're like, I never heard of that. You know, <laughs> something, something Danica Patrick. Yeah, there you go. See, that's, that's about all he knows, but that's great to hear how it, how it's evolved. And, the one thing that I really like that you guys have added is more of a historical data, you know, showing where values have gone up and down. And that part, I think, is, is fantastic to look at, especially for the topic we're going to talk about tonight. And that's wide receivers and particularly the wide receiver ones. Um, it is a completely brand new landscape right now in the wide receiver community. I mean, we've we've been used to the DeAndre Hopkins, the Devontae Adams, the Michael Thomas, the Mike Evans dominating up there at the top but we have a great youth movement going on here and uh i want you to talk a little bit about your philosophy as far as the wide receivers you know some people take it in a three-year window where they're saying they're trying to compete in that area 
what is your philosophy? Because a lot of your rankings, you know, they're similar to what we have, but a lot of other other sites have those older wide receivers right up towards the top. And I see that you guys tend really to push towards the youth movement. Uh, me specifically? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going based off their rankings, but a lot of times, I mean, your philosophy and then how that translates to what you guys do. So to give you an idea on our rankings and our system and how it works is it's not our opinion. Zero to do with our opinion. We've tried to create this product to where it is a gauge of universal market value. And what I mean by that is imagine 100,000 data points. We're trying to find that 50,000 mark. What does the average of the 100,000 data points in the median, what is the value of the player by sell line? So obviously, if you buy a player, you're going to be wanting to buy a player a lot cheaper than you are going to be when you want to sell a player. You're going to want to sell that player higher than you're willing to buy him. So what's that midpoint for each player? So we essentially are trying to find the middle point. Um, when we first launched, we added a um, a weighting to where it was our values uh, baked in to that, and we removed it. And essentially what we did was we said, okay, we're going to launch with just trying to capture universal market value, trying to capture what an AD, a daily ADP would be. If we could simulate what a daily ADP would be, this is what it would look like. And I felt like we'd done a pretty good job. We do manual tweaks when there's things that we can't account for, like suspensions, um, uh, just weird stuff that happens where, you know, uh, Josh Jacobs uh, in, his, in his Dewey. Like, okay, now we got to manually adjust them down because we don't have anything that bakes in what, how much a Dewey reduces somebody's value. So there's some things that we manually adjust, but, you know, when you say our rankings, our rankings are supposed to be um, focused on what the universal thinks. And to be honest with you, the universal really puts a lot of stock in the youth. So it, it's in line with what the majority of dynasty owners feel. There's very few um, old school type dynasty owners that, still value older wide receivers more than the younger wide receivers because they view it in a two or three year window. But I feel like the landscape in dynasty has changed over the last handful of years. Five years ago when we launched our um, product was, there was a lot of experienced dynasty players. So over time, our product has shifted towards that youth because of the influx of people coming from fantasy and into the dynasty world, which kind of started around the 2014, 2015, when OBJ and Mike Evans and Brandon Cooks and Sammy Watkins and and who else I'm missing? Devontae Adams obviously took a couple years um, in that draft. But when they started popping off, we set this expectation that young guys that pop off, they're going to be good forever. And that kind of shifted the the mentality of they need to wait three years. We need to wait three years for these wide receivers. That's changed. It's now pass happy offenses, rookies coming out of the gates. Um, so much has shifted in the last handful of years. So now the young guys, well, you don't have to wait three years for them anywhere. They're producing right away and they're producing upper echelon numbers right away. So, and I feel like the community has shifted to saying the young guys first and then we'll, we'll shift to the other guys. So like in the same tier, I'm going to take the young guys in that tier and then go from there. So I kind of hope that answers your question uh, on how you know we process it. My individual philosophy is different than my company's philosophy, 
Um, but I view things personally from a three to five year window. I don't do two to three year window. I think it's too short. When I'm trying to build a dynasty, I'm focused on five years. It's really hard to win a championship three years in a row, regardless of how good your team is. Um, so I'm always just trying to make sure that I'm five years out with all my players and in five years, what is player X going to look like and continually, um, just backfilling with youth all the time. Just keep yeah. it. It's okay to have a couple old guys, but I want balance. I want that pl- replenishment. And if I'm short, a talented player, if I'm missing that one piece, I'll go buy that one piece for cheap. That's an older guy. But for the majority of my, my rosters, I limit my old stars to like one, maybe two tops. Right. That, that's great. And we all have our different philosophies. You know, I'm a volume trader, so I, I kind of move around a lot more. Some people, you know, they're getting Justin Jefferson on their team this year and they say they have him for the next 10 years, you know, and then those kind of things are a, a little bit more out there for me. John, you kind of work on a three year window. And, and why don't you talk to us a little bit about what you look at as in the wide receiver position? Yeah, and I, and I can't wait to get into some of the, the rankings here on wide receivers. And, you know, a lot of, I think a lot of teams when they're doing startups, they actually will build around wide receivers because in general the view is that they're going to last a lot longer in the league and you can keep them on your team and they'll hold value a lot longer so i think you'd start with that it's really important that you nail your wide receivers and you know i i, I have actually seen that i'm i'm actually have been leaning a little bit more towards some of the vets at the top of my rankings and in, in trying to in getting that compete now mode i'm almost in all my leagues i'm trying to win now but it can get you into trouble. And so I was going to be taking notes here, frankly, hearing from Izzy and the DTC guys. But yeah, yeah. go ahead. Yeah. I love that. I mean, actually, we have a, a listener question right off the bat here. And this is a Mike who's at Tequila Operator who actually just won our final position in our listener league. He, We had a, a contest to see how many yards that Travis Kelsey would have, and he missed it by one yard. So congratulations for that final spot in our listener league. And his question is, is for Izzy is how much do you take health you know, into account when you're talking about your personal rankings? I mean, I feel like when we have an injury history, is that baked in on the calculator at all? No, because it's kind of baked into – so like Will Fuller, for example, has had uh, a litany of injuries. So the market on Will Fuller, despite his hot start, didn't really shift all that much because we knew, based on his injury history – that the average owner isn't going to want Will Fuller because he's seen what they've seen what happened the last four years. So in a sense, the way that we do it, we don't really have to bake injury in. It's already baked in based on owners, other trades that happen, um, what we how we gather all our data. That's always going to be baked in. Um, so yeah, it's a good question, but we don't have like a additional... In- we did when we first started it, but once we got to figuring out how to actually get the universal market value to kind of calculate on its own, all that gets baked in with how people um, value players. Um, my personal ranking, how I value injuries is <laughs> it's um, it's weird. I I have a, like a weird soft spot for players that get suspended all the time, but I have no tolerance for players that get hurt all the time. So I don't know what it is. Did you quit Josh Gordon yet? Uh, you know, I, yeah, I, I, I took him out back and put him down, uh, last year, but, um, yeah, it's so sad. I it's know, so right? Yeah. I mean, I traded him in my first seat. 
I, I really got into Dynasty in 2015 because that 2014 class got got me totally into it. And I didn't even know about Twitter and things like that. What I was doing is I used to do, um, we used to run leagues and it was like auction, but we kind of used it as Dynasty, but we we did, a, you know, budgets and things like that. And I traded Josh Gordon right before he popped off. And then for several years after that, I was like, I wanted to jump back in, right? I was like, yeah, he's so good. I mean, what he did for the Browns in those early early seasons was remarkable. And you just wanted to believe in that talent. And, you know, if he comes into the league now, based off of what we're, we're talking about, maybe it's a different story. But I wish we could have seen a lot more from Josh Gordon. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's a frustrating tale, but it's something that uh, – it's a data point that we got to – recognizes a possibility for players moving forward. I mean, he had one good season, one great season, and then it was nothing. And we were just chasing that dream until now he's aged out. Now he's like 29 and it's just where the time go, you know, Uh, 2012, 2013 was just felt like just a couple years ago. And now it's, now he's, he gone, you know, Um, but injuries in general, uh, I try to avoid with as much, um, it's hard because like a guy like Devonta Adams has had durability issues, um, whether it be the concussions, whether it be some of the lower body injuries, and he wasn't didn't always play like a full slate of games. You're always worried. Julio Jones is another one. You're always worried about Julio Jones like limping off the field and like, oh, here's another foot injury, here's another this injury. At the end of the day, I'd rather have a player that I know when they play is going to produce. So I'm more willing to accept a stud that gets hurt more than I'm willing to accept a middling player that gets hurt because I know that when I plug the player in when they're healthy they're going to produce and then I know when they're not healthy I can just plug somebody else in and wait for them to get health back uh the thing that's frustrating is when players that you're relying on get hurt in the playoffs it doesn't really bother me during the regular season but that's like a random event and anything can happen with any player I mean even the most durable players get hurt um unless you're Roddy White who never got hurt you know, but it's hard with, with the injuries. I, I try to avoid it when I can. You definitely don't want a team full of injury-prone players, which I feel is like a, a true thing, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, thanks thanks for answering that. You know, we, we always want to, if listeners have some questions, we want to get in that. And that transitions perfectly into, you know, the what you guys have at Dynasty Trade Calculator is the number one ranking. What Twitter, what we did was we put out a Twitter poll there I had great response from you guys, and we love being interactive with you guys on Twitter, what you guys want to hear about, and, and try to, mess, right now, try to compare what you guys have at Dynasty Trade Calculator and what they're looking at right now on Twitter. And both you guys and Twitter have Devontae Adams as that wide receiver one. And 64%, this was our biggest landslide. You know, all of them were super close because that top tier is so, so close. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about Devontae Adams, but obviously – coming off a phenomenal season, right? You know, 115 receptions, 1,037 or 1,374 yards, 18 touchdowns, first in yards, first in receptions per game, first in touchdowns. But to me, it's crazy. He turned it on last year, you know, over the final six games, or yeah, his final six games. And over that time, between the two seasons, we're looking at 20 games, 158 receptions, 23 touchdowns. I mean, when Devontae Adams is on the field, he is that wide receiver one. Um, guys, talk to me a little bit about where you have Devontae Adams in your own personal rankings. And, you know, he's 28 now. Is this the time that we should be moving back and making some trades to acquire some of these other guys? Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in. And he's he's standing right behind me, so I need to be careful what I say here. But 
Yeah, I actually do have him as my wide receiver one. And I actually still was holding on to Aaron Rodgers shares this year. And a couple of them took me to the ship. And so you'll love it. And just asking yourself, can they keep it going? I, I tend to think that they can. I really like what they have going there with LaFleur. I, I think that Mong will probably say that they can't quite sustain that. Um, but I mean, again, if I'm looking at that three-year window, I absolutely think that Devontae Adams can keep doing this with Rodgers for about that three-year window. But I, you know, I'm, I'm definitely open to when I should start to move off of them at the same time. And I don't wait too long. That's always the question that you're asking for. But I mean, for the, the shares I have at Adams, I'm, I'm holding them right now. Yeah, I mean, historically speaking, since 2015, we're looking at 70% of your wide receiver ones are tied to QB ones. Aaron Rodgers is always right there in that range. And it's it's a tricky situation, you know. Do we move into that youth, try to push ourselves back? Or if we're in contention, you know, that value drop comes pretty close to this time. Is he historically, you know, at, where are you finding is that every year it seems like it gets a little bit earlier for that age drop, right? When I first said started, it was, when they turn 30, right? And then it seems like it's been creeping up when they turn 29. And now a lot of those younger fans and those those players and are saying it's 28 now. I mean, where is that value starting to drop what, that you've been noticing? Uh, they peak at 27. Um, so let's look at it this way. Let's say Devontae Adams, his name was A.J. Brown instead of Devontae Adams. And A.J. Brown did what Devontae Adams did. Uh, and his age is 20, what, Devontae Adams, what, or uh, A.J. Brown's, what, 23, 22, 23? So 23-year-old A.J. Brown does what Devontae Adams did. His value would be significantly higher than what Devontae Adams' value is now. So we've reached a point where the historically great season that Devontae Adams had, now people say that Kelsey had a better was the biggest advantage in fantasy football this year. And it's very untrue. It's actually Devonta Adams because with tight end, you start one of them. So the difference between the tight end one and the tight end 12 is far smaller than the difference between the tight end or the wide receiver one and the wide receiver 36. The gap is significantly bigger. Even if you go down to tight end two versus wide receiver three, the gap between the last guy you start versus the top guy you start is significant. Even if you look at it from wide receiver one to wide receiver 12, if you just look at it from wide receiver ones, Devontae Adams had a bigger gap be between points scored from the wide receiver ones. Now, we reach the point where he's 28 years old, and he will undoubtedly, no matter what he does moving forward, he will decline from here. He is a no-brainer sell of the century. Um Last year, my my sell of the century, my sell of the year was at, at wide receiver was Michael Thomas because I knew Michael Thomas hit an absolute high. He's now 27 years old. He will start his decline, and it makes absolute every sense in the in, in the world to trade that, reset some of your racket into a younger player. You might take a 20% production cut, but you're only taking a 20% production cut for a couple of years, but you're gaining significantly more value insulation and equity. So it's, as we saw with Christian McCaffrey, I did a poll actually, and I know this is not wide receiver to, to running back, but we know now, I did a poll with Christian McCaffrey owners. I'm in 15, uh, I'm in 15 leagues as well, so I cross-referenced. I asked the Dynasty community, if you own Christian McCaffrey, did you make the playoffs? 
And if you did, did you have Michael D- Mike Davis? And it was like 60-something, 60, 60 to 70% of the people that had Christian McCaffrey on their team still made the playoffs. And like 35% of them still had a first-round buy. Okay? And in my leagues, 11 out of 15 advanced, and 7 out of the 11 teams had a first-round buy. And that's with Christian McCaffrey, who is the top player off the board in every single draft in the 2020 offseason. If you take that player off the teams and these teams are still successful, why do we need 100% of Devontae Adams? Why wouldn't we just take the 80%, which we know 80% is better than zero, and we saw with Christian McCaffrey, you can still make the playoffs. One player does not change the team. It might put you over the top at the very end of the season, but I guarantee you, if you go from 80, 100% production to 80% production and you're gaining six years of youth, that's the bet you should be making. Now, it really comes down to the issue with that is which receiver are you actually buying? Are you buying a speculative one where you're assuming that they're going to produce? Or are you buying one that has had one year of production like a Je- Justin Jefferson? I think the smart money is to be buying a player like A.J. Brown. We've seen two years of A.J. Brown being an absolute stud. So does Justin Jefferson have a Mike Williams type, um, Michael Clayton type second year sophomore slump bust potential? Unlikely based on how good his rookie season was, but it's still in the realm of possibility. So if you're worried about the production that Justin Jefferson put up and if he can replicate that, just go with A.J. Brown. I love I mean, that. I, I actually have A.J. Brown as my wide receiver one um, because because of what he's done between him and Adams. Um, and that's that's great talking about moving back. And what what we've deemed that is, is an insulated trade. You know, like last year, I traded DeAndre Hopkins for DK Metcalf and a first because I was believing in that. And if you have those guys that you can move back, get that production, uh, you know, 80% of that production, what you're feeling, and add a first, that's how you win in Dynasty. That's how you're always adding value. The second guy on our list hasn't quite hit that age 27, you know, that we were talking about peak in value, a guy that Mung is huge on, and that's Tyreek Hill. Um, Twitter had him 53% as the wide receiver, two overall, coming off another great season, obviously tied to Mahomes. Mung, you have Tyreek Hill as your wide receiver one, correct? Yeah, and, uh, you know, to Izzy's point, my philosophy is very similar. Um, If you look at the rankings that I just came out with last week, I sort of have all these players separated into many tiers because – I look at it as different traits that we're looking for in these dynasty wide receivers. So, for example, Tyree Kill is my wide receiver one, but he's in that same tier as Devontae Adams where they're pretty interchangeable, and I would gladly sell Hill for Adams plus. And even in that mini tier behind where the first tier, I would consider those elite producers that, you know, their longevity is in question. But like Izzy said, when they're on the field, you know that they're helping you likely win your week. And the second tier that I have is actually Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown, and D.K. Metcalf for similar reasons that we just talked about. These are guys who have a slightly higher measure of risk, but based on what we've seen of them on the field, I'm fairly confident that they can produce top 12 wide receivers at minimum, uh, wide receiver numbers going forward. So again, These rankings, you know, you may say, oh, I have this wide receiver ranked as my wide receiver two and this guy ranked as my wide receiver eight. But that doesn't mean that the gap between them is really all that big. Right. And it's always important to break those into tiers. And and that next tier is the guy that guys that people want to hear about right now. 
uh, Izzy being, you know, from Minnesota, Justin Jefferson, obviously a historic season. You know, he ended up with in a in a season where he put up 1,400 yards and there's only been 19 wide receivers to do what he did a, as a rookie. You know, what he had is 200 plus PPR points with over eight yards per target. And it was him, Campbell, or him, Claypool, and Lamb all did this this year. Historically in that time, 15 of those 16 have gone on to do it again. And 10 of those 16 have had multiple wide receiver one seasons. And Justin Jefferson looks the part of a guy who's going to be a wide receiver one year in and year out and be in that conversation. You got to see a lot more of them, I'm sure, and, and are thrilled to have him there. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about Justin Jefferson? Yeah, so uh, right around week 10, I posed the question and said, why isn't Justin Jefferson the wide receiver one? Um, not to say that he was my wide receiver one or that you should have it, but there's really a hard argument against Justin Jefferson being a wide receiver one. And the only argument is, are we guaranteed to see this next year? And the more and more he got to that upper echelon rookie season, the more and more likely the answer was, yes, he's likely going to do it again because it's only been done by a certain handful of people. And every single one of those guys is hyper elite. So if Justin Jefferson does 80% of what he did this year or 75% of what he did this year, he's still a wide receiver one, or he's still going to be a future wide receiver one. You have to remember, and this is only 14 games. He didn't even play. He was a, he was a backup to Ola BC Johnson the first two weeks. He played like 50% snap shares in the first two weeks. So like we have to look at these numbers in context and say, this is a 14 week um, sample size instead of a 16 week sample size, which goes two ways. Well, one, well, I'd like more sample size, which is better, but at the same time, it's still, <laughs> you're getting that production in 14 weeks. You have to add two more weeks of that production. Um, I just look at it and Mung does his rankings and he, if he's a three-year window guy, five-year window guy, my way, how I look at this is very simple. If my wide receiver one is Devonta Adams, I know for a fact that in three years, my Devon, my, my wide receiver one will not be Devonta Adams. So if I'm looking at a three-year window, it is a undeniable fact that in three years, Devonta Adams will not be the wide receiver one in anybody's rankings. No matter how good he is, he's going to be a 31-year-old wide receiver and nobody's going to have him at wide receiver one. So if you're looking at a three-year window, you should be projecting those three-year windows. And if you know for a fact that Devonta Adams won't be there in three years, then it's somebody else. And you got to find out who that somebody else is. Is it Tyreek? Well, Tyreek's going to be, like you had talked about, Mike, he's going to be 30. He won't be there either. So you have to gamble on. that. Some We got to get the stones to say, we're picking this one guy, and this is the guy that we think is going to be the wide receiver one in three years. And my money is on either Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown, or somebody that's not even in the league yet. Well, speaking of that, and we're on such a roll here. We were going to try to do a mini episode, but I want to kind of get it all together here because we're we're just vibing, and I love what's going on. Let's talk about Jamar Chase then. You know, if if what we saw from Justin Jefferson this season and what we saw from them when they were in college together, obviously the the historic season that Jamar Chase had, you know, with, with 20 touchdown receptions and what he did with Joe Burrow and clearly looked better than Justin Jefferson on the field. How excited are we about Jamar Chase and where should we be putting him right off the bat? I mean, mm. is it, it, it it's very debatable if you have the 101, everybody pushes for, you know, in a one quarterback league for the the running back with Najee Harris. But the talent I've I've seen from Jamar Chase, I mean, where can we start to slot him in and, and where would you put him with these guys prospect level? 
Uh, are we comparing? Are we because we're doing this? We had talked about maybe doing this a little bit later. Are we actually talking about just in all of Dynasty? Just all of Dynasty. All of Dynasty. I, I really have a hard time putting him anywhere reasonable. I'm probably going to be pretty low, um, just because it's January. We don't know landing spot. We don't know where he's going to get drafted. We 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 assume right. We're kind of projecting, but I would comfortably have him in the probably 20 range, 20 to 25. Um, I, just because I, I know what I'm going to get out of the top 20, 24, yeah. you know, the, the, the 20 top 24 players, like for instance, I'm, if I'm looking at most rankings or values, the 24th receiver is going to be somebody like a Cortland Sutton or a Chase Claypool or a Deontay Johnson. And for me personally, I'm taking one of those guys over Jamar Chase all day. Now, would I trade? Would most people trade any of those three guys for Jamar Chase? Yes, but I think there's a flaw in that because we would be very happy if Jamar Chase came out and he played a year one similar to Clay, Play, Chase Claypool. If he had that second year similar to Cortland Sutton, if he had the target share that Deontay Johnson got, we would be happy with all of that. So I think that's where I'd have him, and I'm pretty low on the rookie wide receivers because every time there's a year like this we expect it every single year moving forward and then we realized like what happened in 2014 we kind of went through a drought outside of like amari cooper uh we went through a drought of like three years where there wasn't that guy that came out and dominated so we have to keep it into context say 2014 2020 these are just generational type drafts even though they happened within five years, they're still incredibly deep drafts. And then we have to say, okay, well, what what are the odds that we're going to have another one of those the following year? It's not going to be likely. So I'm low lower on Jamar Chase than most people. I think we're overinflating a lot of these rookies because of how strong this class was. We just have to be more realistic with it. I think it's a great year to trade first round picks uh, because you're probably going to get those people that either a joined Dynasty recently. Um, or B, just tend to overvalue draft picks in general, and 2020 is going to really resonate in their mind. Um, for me, right now, my top two is, is um, Rashad Bateman and Jamar Chase, and it's not even – I'm not a homer. So I don't value my Vikings or my Gophers. or I'm not even a big Vikings fan. I'm not even a big Gophers fan. But for me, the two – receivers that are in my tier one right now are, are Jamar Chase and, and Rashad Bateman. And if I were to tell you who my favorite one of the two is, it's Rashad Bateman. But I would still rather have those three guys that I mentioned over Bateman um, just because of a little bit of, I mean, I just get, I'm getting more safety and I see similar upside. I like that. I mean, a lot of people aren't thinking that way and that's great. And that's why we having you on here. Just thinking a little bit different because what we saw from Lamb and, and Jefferson and Claypool, like I said, I mean, we're talking about 15 out of those 16 guys did it again. And 10 out of those have multiple wide receiver one seasons. And we get excited about that. And we want that to be the next season. Uh, two sophomores that absolutely killed it this year. AJ Brown, obviously with number seven in points per game. We all saw the Twitter feed of him post-op, you know, saying that he should have been out for the season after week two. You know, I don't know how that gets out there. That was like, that was quite interesting. He's like, don't let my dad come up here. He'll film me, you know, and he put that out there. Um, AJ Brown and DK Metcalf. Why don't you guys talk to me about, you know, 
where we're talking about with both of those guys in dynasty value, who you guys prefer. And I mean, it's remarkable that we're talking about two guys from the same college, the same draft class being this good this early. Who wants and to take it? Who wants to take it? We'll go with you. <laughs> Again? All right. I feel like I'm talking the whole time. but um, I, know, was, I was like, yo, Mung, this is going to be your, your time to jump in. John, you know, start us out here, Izzy. Okay. I, I can do that for you. So between the two, um, I'm taking A.J. Brown. I can see why people are enamored with the D.K. Metcalf. Um, my My issue with D.K. Metcalf is – the targets. I mean, is he getting the targets per game um, necessary to be that top end wide receiver one? Uh, now, if you think about it, did he have more um, total targets than like AJ Brown? Sure, but AJ Brown played a couple less games, so it's not it's not like AJ Brown dominated him in targets. But when I look at the two and how they win, I like the way AJ Brown wins. Um, he wins short, intermediate, and deep. Where I feel like DK Metcalf is predominantly winning deep. He's winning deep, and he's winning on these crossers. He's not winning short. He's not really winning intermediate. Um, so I like the way AJ Brown is being utilized all over the field. And I think with time, AJ Brown will see those targets if Tennessee ends up shifting. The two biggest issues or the one biggest issue with both of these players is they play in low volume pass offenses. So, and this is kind of why if I'm picking one of these three wide receivers, like the, the JJ, um, AJ Brown and DK, I lean Justin Jefferson. Cause he, he looks the part of a guy that's going to get 140, 150 targets. And he's in an offense that allow him to do it. I mean, he had seven um, games where he had double digit targets and if you look at how A.J. Brown, he only had one, and D.K. Metcalf had two. I mean, he might have had three, actually. I think he had three. So I'm looking at that and saying, I want 10 plus. And this is why I'm a big fan of Deont- Deontay Johnson, who's why a big buy for me, is he was getting a ton of targets last year, and he continued to get them this year. Uh, targets lead to fantasy points. So, And I feel like the way that A.J. Brown plays, he will be more likely to receive double-digit targets more often than a guy like D.K. Metcalf because you're not going to chuck the ball deep 10 times and and I get it not all of his targets are deep targets but I need my wide receiver one potential player to be a 150 target guy I don't envision DK being a 150 target guy that said can he put up wide receiver one numbers or top the wide receiver one numbers on 125 130 targets sure but I'm still chasing the volume well, I, what I thought was remarkable with Metcalf is, I mean, he was a wide receiver three weeks, like one through eight, and then finished off, you know, with only two touchdowns over that final eight game stretch and just kind of disappeared a little bit. I like my wide receivers with that nice steady floor. A.J. Brown was about as consistent as you could possibly get. Super efficient with those targets. Uh, Mung, what do you like between the two of those? How do you, are you a Brown Metcalf guy? Talk to me a little bit. Yeah, see, and this is why I elected to have Izzy go first, because he covered, you know, 80% of probably what I was going to say, and I actually forgot my cup of water, so now I can save a little bit of my breath. But, you know, looking at the run, the situational run pass rates, Seattle was surprisingly more pass-heavy this year in neutral game scripts than Tennessee was. 
But when you look at these two teams going forward, I feel like they're going in opposite directions. Because on the one hand, you have Pete Carroll in Seattle talking about getting their run game more efficient and possibly more run heavy as they have in the past. And we saw that with Jamal Adams back healthy, their defense was a lot better the second half. Now, on the other hand, the Titans, their secondary was absolutely awful this year. And we know that, you know, Derrick Henry, as good as he is, that offense could look very different because really Ryan Tannehill has been playing phenomenal. And I don't think that's being talked about enough. Um, And Russell Wilson, as good as he is with those deep balls, as Izzy mentioned, he's not going to be chucking up, you know, 10 Hail Marys a game. And at the same time, we've seen that historically Wilson is really willing to spread the ball around. That's part of the reason, you know, they limit those turnovers. And that's also part of the reason that DK Metcalf's weekly floor and ceiling may not be as high as, say, a Julio Jones, who was a target magnet over the last few years. So for me, I do have Brown slightly ahead of Metcalf. But then again, it is hard to really knock Metcalf for his just physical attributes. So Again, they're both in that same tier for me, but I do have Brown higher. I love that. Um, speaking of targets, and both you guys hit on that a lot, um, the next guy on the list. So, so far, Twitter, we've been hitting it, almost identical to DTC. But they actually had DeAndre Hopkins you know, above Brown and Metcalf. Now, that's where we want them to go. John, you're huge on DeAndre Hopkins. You've been you know, advocating all, all season about buying up DeAndre Hopkins and what he's done and and – ignoring the narrative of him changing teams and, and going to a new quarterback. What do you see with DeAndre Hopkins going into the off season? And, you know, what are you doing with your shares? Yeah, it's a really great question. Uh, and I, you know how much I love Nuke and, and have been riding him. I am actually now starting to shop him for a lot of the reasons we've already talked about, because he is getting up there in age now at 28 and he, I, I do think that it's really important though that we, we look at this. We're about to see a bunch of wide receivers as free agents move to new teams. And we need, we're going to be talking about it on the show and unpacking it for you guys. But that was one of the narratives that just didn't play out. And he was the clear alpha. We, we said their, their concern was they were going to spread it around in Arizona. And he was still the guy. And so I actually think that's, that's likely going to continue, but we could start to see some decline. And I, I think they do want to bring in some, some more playmakers for Kyler. And, it, of course, Kyler is going to continue to call his own number. Uh, but I, I really would, if you can get value because of the age, I, I still would, would be good with acquiring Nuke. I do have him behind all of the wide receivers we've talked about so far, though, because of the age. Uh, but, I mean, he, he's a guy that's going to continue to get peppered with targets, and he's going to win you a lot of weeks. And we had some of the – the most exciting plays of the entire season were, were John Dre Hopkins. And so I do love the guy. Uh, Izzy's already uh, alluded to this, but I mean, that peak is at age 27, you know, and Hopkins is 28. The guy who is just hit that peak area, that, that value and had his best season yet. You know, we talked about your Minnesota wide receiver. Obviously we're talking about the guy leaving Minnesota, Stefan Diggs, 168 targets. And just yeah. obviously he's, hooked up with Josh Allen and it has been a a fantastic season. I mean, he's one of the best route runners out there. They set a, a record this this week. Now 17 plus games with 6 plus receptions. Never been done in NFL history. Finally Allen gets a wide receiver. Diggs is is starting to work his way up on, on ch- a lot of charts. How excited are you that you guys got Jefferson and do you miss Diggs? I mean, Diggs looked phenomenal this year. 
Yeah, I know. He, he really did. They obviously have a, a, a really nice connection. I wish Diggs was younger so we can see what sort of connection this could have been long-term. Um, it always felt like he was just criminally underused. Like he wasn't getting targeted enough in Minnesota, the way he was getting open, you know, splitting it with, with him and Thielen. And I think if, if we saw an opportunity when he was 23, where he was getting this kind of target or any, anything close to this, I think he had the talent to be there. Yeah. I mean, to be fair to the situation, he's trying to lobby for targets against a great receiver in Adam Thielen, where now, you know, no offense to, to John Brown, no offense to Cole Beasley, they are not Adam Thielen. Right. So, I mean, if you're going to be, if you if you put Adam Thielen in Buffalo, Diggs doesn't have this season. He has a great season, but he doesn't do what he did. So, I think we have to put into context what their offense really looked like, and they're they're solid receivers there. Another thing too, it's I didn't foresee this happening because of how many one, how much better Josh Allen looked. This year, than he did. The, the the improvement is you couldn't have imagined an improvement the way that Josh Allen improved. Like it's no, never it's historic, like it's historic. Yeah, and and in turn, we saw the targets go up by like a hundred. So there was a hundred targets injected into that offense. So yes, I mean it was a perfect it was a perfect storm of Stephon Diggs being traded there. They wanted to feature him. They don't really have that elite wide receiver two or at least a really really good wide receiver two john brown was in and out of the lineup with injuries colby's is a slack guy gabe davis is a rookie um and i think just like Devonta adams um deandre hopkins i don't know if it's a sell right now you mentioned it john he's gonna be really hard to move he was a sell last year mm-hmm. or at least when the when the trade went down because everybody got really excited that's when he was supposed to be sold um, I think we're getting to the point now with Hopkins where we just got to hold and just ride him out. I view Hopkins in he doesn't win with speed. He doesn't win with acceleration. He just wins with really good football play. And he is very similar to Larry Fitzgerald. So right I can on. see him playing to 33, 34, as long as he wants to and as long as he stays healthy. I see the longevity there with DeAndre Hopkins. So he might be a guy that you just say, forget it. I'm just going to ride him out. Um, but Diggs situation there with like Michael Thomas is going to be our wide receiver 10 and Hopkins. I mean, it's tough to find value, you know, where people are yeah. really trying to buy this time in the off season, a move that I made with Michael Thomas recently was, you know, I was trying to buy some of them younger wide receivers, nothing out there. And I ended up getting Keenan Allen in the one Oh six. So I was like, I wanted to get something similar type production, but give myself another opportunity, another, you know, another bullet in the gun, you know, and to, to give myself an opportunity to get another player because you almost have to ride these guys out once you get to this point. If you have them on your roster, 28, 29 years old, they're going to do more good for you than what you're going to be able to get in the trade market. Yeah, and and that's what that's the same with Diggs is the perfect time. You, we've we've seen the the phenomenal season that he had. So he he skyrocketed up, up value boards like across the board. Nobody really had him in the top ten, and now he's what probably top six to eight. No matter who you ask, you're going to get him in the top ten. And he's 27. He's hitting that age peak. He's going to decline no matter what he does next year because he's going to be 28. Now is the time to move Diggs, get younger. In a a situation like this, I'm taking Diggs and I'm trying to get T. Higgins plus. You know, somebody that I I can see being a wide receiver one and is going to be tethered to a really elite quarterback in Joe Burrow or at least a really, really good quarterback. It's yet to be seen if he's elite. Um, And that's where my money would be shifting. Yeah, I mean, Diggs, I just did a startup recently, and Diggs was, you know, he went early third round, 
the guy took him right before right before my pick. I got AJ Brown. So someone's that high right now on digs that they're pushing him up into that area. And then the following round, I got the guy that we're going to talk about next. You guys have him at DTC at number eight, and Twitter had him at number eight as well. That's Calvin Ridley. Uh, Calvin Ridley just continues to pr- improve every single year. You know, he had he's number one in air yards this year with 2059. No one was even close. 1768 was the next highest. Um, and 13th in target share, but still was a wide receiver one. I mean, I see definitely an increase there. Speaking of target share, I did a little research. Do you, any of you guys know who had the largest target share in history? And any idea how much it was? Target share in history. No. Why just it was Brandon Marshall in 2012, 39.9% target share. Almost 40%. I just I I was just doing a little research and that just blew my mind. I mean, like, can you imagine what some of these guys would do with a 40% target share? I mean, that was a sloppy offense with not a lot of not a lot of weapons. But talk to me a little bit about Calvin Ridley here, John. I mean, you've been super quiet here. Calvin Ridley has been a red zone machine. He's been fantastic since coming into the league. And there's, you know, some some rumors that Julio's starting to potentially get shopped or that Julio's falling off here. What do you see with Calvin Ridley going into this year? And you guys know I have to talk about it. You know, I, Izzy, with my first article at Dynasty Happy Hour, I wrote, Calvin Ridley will be the next, you know, top 12 wide receiver. And they made me edit it. They said, that's too bold. You can't even say it. So yeah. I was like, all right, we had, they had to say he will be a wide receiver one at some point. But Calvin Ridley, talk to me, John. Yeah, that was that was the debate. Remember this time last year, we were still debating whether he could be the wide receiver one versus Julio. Now it it, it almost seems silly. I mean, we got we got the Pharaoh here with us. We're I think Julio. We're about to have to mummify that guy and put him in his film. <laughs> hey, there's our dad joke. He's back him in there. Uh, but you know, I think the thing we do have to remind ourselves is. Calvin Ridley is 26. He came into the league a lot older. And so that's something to be careful of. I do think that, like, he still maybe hasn't peaked yet. And uh, I, I, I like potentially seeing what kind of value you could get for him. Right now, the one thing to monitor right now is not only the Julio situation, but what's going to happen there with the quarterback situation. Uh, it, you know, is Matt Ryan potentially going to get drafted over here there's already seen a lot of mocks that happens it with pick number four overall but also the other thing that i am excited about is the the oc that they um brought in so that that's actually a pretty exciting situation for me and i i still really like calvin ridley uh at this spot you know good potentially good value there and is you hit on on t higgins you know like we both the poll and and dynasty trade calculator have him as you know, that wide receiver 12, he's right there on that fringe wide receiver one, finished with over 900 yards and six touchdowns as a rookie with Joe Burrow missing, you know, towards the end there quite a bit of time. And, and those numbers started to drop off. But he finished, you know, from weeks three to 17, he was a top 20 wide receiver. He looked the part of that next wide receiver one and has some of those alpha traits that we all know Tyler Boyd is the Robin to Batman. Is T Higgins that next guy that we should be buying? Yeah, yeah, I think uh I think we should be. Um just because I like his situation. You look at Tyler Boyd, good player. He's not gonna be you're not gonna mistake Tyler Boyd for a wide receiver one. So if you're getting Joe, if you're getting Joe Burrow and you're getting T. Higgins and you're getting a good wide receiver two, which 
means that you can't just sit there and double T Higgins. You have to respect Tyler Boyd, but he's not good enough to supplant T Higgins as the wide receiver one. Perfect situation. Perfect situation. The the last one on our list here is doesn't fit the rest of the mold, right? We talked about 70% of the wide receiver ones have a QB one. This guy since joining the league over 2000 yards in his first two seasons, you know, he was the wide receiver 11 this year. Terry McLaurin Mung, has looked fantastic with without some real quarterback play. I mean, he's had a lot of Haskins starts that have been just brutal. Alex Smith was serviceable. Terry McLaurin could get a quarterback here in the offseason. I mean, is wide receiver 11, is that the right area for him for you? Yeah, I think so. I think I have him wide receiver 13, but pretty close in my ranks. And, you know, like we just talked about, it's because of that talent. And this was a case where he was basically the only guy on that receiving core for a lot of the year. And he still managed to produce even through some double teams. And like you said, we don't know what exactly the quarterback situation is just yet going into 2021, but he's seen, we've seen enough from him to know that he is fairly matchup proof. And I I think that, you know, the arrow is still pointing up for McLaurin as of right now. I love it. Um, Izzy, it's been great having you on here before we go. I want each one of us to come up with one guy. That was our top 12 in Twitter and DTC are right in line, which usually doesn't happen, right? Twitter's a lot like the mob. You know, it's just a matter of a lot of recency bias. You guys got it right. You guys should definitely check things they have going on over there at Dynasty Trade Calculator. Give me one guy who's not a top 12 Dynasty value wide receiver who will be next year. We'll start with you, Izzy, since you're the guest, we'll go with you. Who will be drafted in the top 12 next year? Yeah. Yeah. Who's going to be in that value that's not there right now? I think the easy answer um, for me is is Chris Godwin. I think people are kind of sleeping on him. We forget how good he was because he was hurt. Um, I also think I think DJ Moore is a guy that it, people just underappreciated how good he was despite how bad we thought he was. This I know. Year. Like we were talking about if he had another season like he did last year that we were going to have him in that top, you know, five to eight range. And then Robbie Anderson got all the hype there, you know, everything that was going on and Curtis Samuel potentially leaving there. DJ Moore had a another solid thousand yard season. Yep. Mung, who's your guy? I think we're all forgetting about DJ shark right now uh, after a down year. And if you believe in Trevor Lawrence and I do, uh, you know, you want his future wide receiver one. And I think that shark is a, clear by low this offseason john i think yours is going to be the same as mine but why don't you hit us with it all right i'm gonna i'm gonna actually go with a rob since izzy and mong already stole godwin and shark from me a rob is is clearly a wide receiver one really already if you look at the talent i mean i do think he he's starting to potentially peak in overall talent but i personally think that he could get shipped out of chicago and end up in a much much better situation than he has right now and uh so that's that's really exciting do like as you said do you have the stones to maybe bet ahead of the curve that he ends up with a much better quarterback much better overall offense offensive coordinator and at that point we actually could see more from a rob but that talent is on display even more and so that that's one that i i think we could absolutely see at this time next year being at the top 12. yeah we're looking at i mean wide receiver eight in 2019 wide receiver 15 in 2020 and 
both of those primarily with Mitch Trubisky. So, I mean, Allen Robinson, I feel like he's going to get a value bump wherever he signs right off the bat, but that could be a time to move as well. Uh, the oh. guy that I feel like is going to jump into that area and, you know, two years ago we weren't even debating that he was in that area as Juju Smith-Schuster. You know, if he gets an opportunity and goes to another area where he can be another target hog, you know, this year still wide receiver two numbers with Claypool, with Deontay Johnson. Johnson getting most of those uh, most of those targets, you know, has that opportunity to jump into that next area. So, again, Izzy, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you, everything that you can have going on, and then we'll go Mung, John, and close it out. Yeah, you can just find me on Twitter. Um, I tweet nonsense most of the time. Tweet a lot of polls for fun, uh, at DT, DTC underscore Izzy E, and I also um, – one of the hosts of the Dynasty Trade Calculator podcast. So I don't do much um, writing or anything like that anymore. Just um, those days are long gone. I'm too busy for that. But uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter or on the podcast. And of course, you guys can find me on Twitter at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. And like I said, uh, got a lot coming out at Fantrax over the next few weeks, uh, talking about some free agency buys and sells. And of course, uh, my Superflex Dynasty rankings came out last week, and the one quarterback rankings will be out tomorrow. So check them out. Everybody, you can find me at Dynasty underscore trades. Looking forward to chopping it up with you guys on Twitter. I have been getting into the, the rookie evaluations quite a bit more. I just put out an article today uh, on Rondale Moore via P2W. I think P2W might be listening to the show right now. Uh, great stuff. Go check that out. And we'll keep we'll keep doing that. And we got the the, the rookie fever coming in. We're going to start publishing our rankings for the rookies and, and working those in, helping you guys understand how to balance that across the past couple of rookie classes and just the overall ranks we're going to push out with Smash Accept. Love it. You know, we got a lot of exciting things with Smash Except, the Listener League, the Patreon's going to be, you know, firing up here in February. And hopefully if we have some time, we can throw together that mini episode. I know I want to thank again for coming on here, Izzy. It's been a pleasure. Looking forward to competing you in that, you know, DTC League here and, and seeing if everything matches up. But again, thank you so much. And you guys enjoy the process.